Episode 71 for June 2009. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They want to be your regular comic shop, but online. They make it easy to switch with discounts that start at 38% and go up to 75% off the cover price of comics and trade paperbacks. An example this month is the Spider-Man You Just Hit the Jackpot trade paperback. The cover price is 25 bucks. Mail order has it for $14.99. So check them out at mailordercomics.com and tell them the crawlspace sent you. Seems like we're always talking about the price increases. And an uh, article came out uh, from CBR. They interviewed a employer of Marvel. Is that what they did, guys? Is that? Yeah, it wasn't on there very long. Yeah, they, CBR took it off. Because uh, the, the reporter asked the Marvel employee with a near 10% unemployment rate why Marvel is raising their prices. And uh, the Marvel employee says he admitted that the price hikes are part of an ongoing process of testing the profit, profit potential of the publishing division. Uh, he said that demand is inelastic and he believes enough fans will pay higher prices without pushback. Uh, what do you guys think? JR, you've been in this business a long time. You, you 50 Cent Comics, is that what you started off with? Um, well, let me put my teeth back in. <laughs> uh, I remember, 50, I remember I, 50 Cent Comics. I, well, I remember 20 Cent Comics. Oh, well, there you go. But, uh, you know, as the, great Don, as the great Don Barzini said, uh, we will, of course, pay him for such services. After all, we are not communist. Um, <laughs> it's capital. I mean, Marvel. I mean, this is America. Yeah. Marvel is entitled. Marvel is entitled to make as much money as it as it can exactly. with the, with the product that it provides. And I mean, I will give this guy credit. He told the truth. He didn't. Yes. He didn't do such mealy. He didn't do such mealy mouth thing as well. We have rising costs, and uh, the Russians are buying up all the paper and <laughs> driving up the cost. And you know, Bendis needs some new hair plugs, so we got to pay him more. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean there are. The, Basically, what he's saying is what we all know that Marvel believes. Yes. We're all geeks who are addicted to this hobby like an opiate. Yes. And therefore, we'll, we'll buy whatever the price will be. That's, they're basically admitting that. And that's the American way. But my, the thing is, what I think we should do, instead of griping about the fact that this guy was honest, you know, is just not buy the goddamn yeah. things. I mean, frankly, if it wasn't for this podcast and the fact that I enjoy it so much, I probably I probably would have gotten out of the comic book buying business six months ago. I mean, but basically I'm doing it to stay on the podcast and because I know if I leave, Brad will replace me <laughs> before I even write before I even write the resignation message. Oh, and, uh, and, oh, you know, and, and and my ego won't be able to take that such rejection, so that's why I stay. But, well, it uh, just so happens no, Stanley I mean, is going to replace Jr. next month. <laughs> but, but, I once put my hand on a girl's shoulder. <laughs> what was that? Was it Stanley? Uh, yeah. Wow. 
Paying $4 for a comic is offensive. And I, I must confess, I did it with New Dark Avengers number five because I couldn't pass up the cover of Norman in a suit and the goblin mask looking all tortured. And it is a good story. But basically, I won't buy a three ninety nine comic. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and folks, Marvel has admitted we're geeks who will buy anything. Don't buy them. Don't buy Don't gripe about the prices. Just don't buy I would agree with you on the fact that we're very much addicted, just like smokers will pay what the cigarette costs are. And let's let's talk to a smoker on the line, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, I mean, comics and cigarettes, a lot of similarities, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. If you want to make that analogy, thanks to uh, the new taxes, my cost for a carton just went up from $28 to $40. Just on taxes, thank you very much. Oh, so uh, the difference is, I'm still smoking. And, um, <laughs> still still hell, you still reading cost. Spider-Man too, by God. <laughs> I'm still reading Spider-Man. I'm glad they're not doing every issue at 3.99 a pop. I will buy it when you know they do a larger issue and it's 3.99. But things like I dropped, I stopped following the Marvel Universe. After Secret Invasion, I had been for years following all the big titles, you know, the Bendis Avengers titles and all that stuff, trying to follow this larger story of the Marvel Universe that went from, you know, New Avengers Breakout to House of M to Civil War to Secret Invasion. And what I found out at the end of that was it's never going anywhere. Uh, It finally dawned on me that, gee, following all this doesn't mean crap because it's just going to change again in another year. And then they raised the prices on, you know, New Avengers is now three ninety nine, Dark Avengers is three ninety nine, and all that stuff. And you're not getting any added content, so I'm not buying that anymore. Um, I haven't bought one issue of Dark Avengers, and I don't intend to. I've dropped New Avengers after having bought it since number one. I think it can be done differently, though. The thing that DC is doing, and they're actually giving my money when they're raising their prices to three ninety nine, is they are taking some of their books, and they're adding uh, about... I think eight extra pages in the back of it. Uh, it's, they're doing what's called a co-feature. They do it in the regular book, and in, in the back of it, uh, a character that just hasn't been able to sustain their own book or they want to test out or something, and it's always a character that relates to that book, is getting their own story in the back called a co-feature. And only those titles are the ones that have gone up to three ninety nine, with the exception of a few events. So you'd like it? That a, I can get you'd like a jackpot back up? Hell no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mr. Negative backup? Um, hell, I don't think there's anything they could do with brand new. Day. What would be a good Spider-Man backup for $3.99? What would you pay to read? A ben Morbius the Living Vampire. I knew that was coming. <laughs> you asked, dude. Yeah. You ben Riley. Ben Riley um, would be a good backup. Ben Riley, I would absolutely pay for. Um, Simon Parker the Black Spider, I would pay for that. Mm-hmm. Would you pay for a pornographic uh, Aunt May geriatric sex backup? <laughs> No, no, I couldn't be paid to read that. Bailey would pay five ninety nine uh, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it seems like Marvel. Shut up, Zach. <laughs> Marvel's the big gouger here. You've got DC putting added content, and then IDW and Boom have been doing three ninety nine for a while because they're indie companies. And the, I don't know if it's true, but the perception is they need the money more to keep afloat. They only put out a couple of books well, a month. Yeah. But they Marvel. they also have rising co- they have costs that Marvel and DC don't have. Like what? That's what I'm talking. About. That's what I'm talking about. But also, <laughs> Marvel is not only a big company like that that doesn't need it like the little companies do. 
they are pricing their 399 books not at ones that need the money more. They're pricing the ones that sell the most at 399. Your your top titles, Dark Avengers and New Avengers. It's not like they're charging you 399 for a Howard the Duck comic that only <laughs> sells 10,000 copies. They're charging you for the one that sells 100,000 copies. So yeah, it's it's obvious gouging. It's up to you whether you want to pay for it. I prefer the people that either a need it or b are giving me added content for it. Yeah. Stella, what do you think? Are we elastic? Are we addicted to it? Um, I, I, I don't know. Are we addicted to it? I don't know. I think some people are going to be able to drop them easier than others. Um, I think, I mean, I've already started cutting back, and if this pay crease happens, you know, I'm just going to stop buying miniseries and everything and things that I don't really like. So I'll probably just be sticking with ASM. Uh, Justice League, Captain America, and Iron Fist. And then if you know it, it, it just keeps increasing, then I'll be dropping any unnecessaries. And yeah. Stuck it out um, by Justice League? That's impressive. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I just hate paying that amount of money, I guess. But if you get so much enjoyment out of it, you know, yeah. but. Well, you get the nic- you get the nicotine high, and you get the Spider-Man high. There's not much difference, is there? <laughs> Kevin? Yes, <laughs> there is. <laughs> For instance, I'm getting my nicotine buzz right this moment. <laughs> I'm getting. And uh, Spider-Man, you only get about you know ten to fifteen minutes of, and you're either getting something good or something shit. With a cigarette, yeah. I pretty much know what I'm getting, and I can smoke it whenever the hell I want to. <laughs> and smoking it over and over again, not the same cigarette, but different cigarettes, same experience over and over again, it's still good. Yeah. If I read the same comic over and over again, I'm going to get freaking sick of it. <laughs> well, I, I think the problem there is, uh, you know, the, the secondhand ink <laughs> and the cancer you get from that would, would, would really, uh, is, is really a th- something someone needs to look into. Um, yeah, but your brain could also melt if you read too much of Brand New Day, so it's a trade-off. <laughs> True that. Uh, Marvel's going to do what Marvel's going to do. There's nothing that anybody can say outside of what JR suggested of people just dropping books in mass. And you know what the sad thing is? Is that that's not going to hurt Marvel as much as it's going to hurt the comic shops. Yeah. And, and that's the sad, sad thing is that, you know, the comic shops are taking the brunt of this too. They're the ones that have to pay the added cost, you know, per, per issue. Uh, my, the comic shop I go to in particular just dropped buying any of the unnecessary Dark Rain miniseries. Mm. They're just not going to carry it. You have to order it. Mm. And you, you won't have it, have it on the shelf. So someone coming in who may have heard about it won't be able to buy it. I mean, it's just... It's not greed, because like JR said, this is America. Charge what you want. The free market, uh, the free market economy will even things out in the end. But don't sit there and lie to us and don't say that, you know, well, we, you know, we we have added costs, you know, the talent costs a certain amount, whatever. It's just, you know, I've dropped a bunch of books, too. Well, good Lord, a lot of books, just because I can't pay the two ninety nine price tag mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. So, you know, people are, there are going to be, you know, your hardcore Marvel zombies that are, that are going to stick in there and buy whatever they produce. But I think a lot of what they're going to lose is a lot of new readers. So Dark Rain Electra and Dark Rain Zodiac's not on your local comic shop, right? Not really at right. all. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, what do you think, buddy? Are we addicted to it? Yeah. I'm sorry. I was uh, just doing my coke just he a just second ago. He just rolled up yeah. Amazing Spider-Man and smoked it. 
<laughs> well, I mean, uh, it is it is an addiction. Uh, it, I agree, but I agree, it's very much so. I mean, you've you've commonly referred to it as a, your monthly dose of crack. It is. So my um, monthly mo- dose of marble is what it is. Yeah, yeah, really. And and um, I tell you right now, one of the things, and we are seeing a decline in sales, uh, in direct market sales on Amazing Spider-Man. I guarantee you, if it went up to three ninety nine. If ASM went up three ninety nine and you're required to pay four bucks a pop uh, for for the story each month, you'll see people believe in droves too. I mean, it's uh, it's different when you're only paying it once with like a, the uh, Dark Avengers and New Avengers, but when you're paying for it three times, I think that's 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 overkill. And you know, there was no better evidence of this than uh, fifty two when they were. Weren't they charging a dollar fifty for the per issue for that? They were charging uh, two fifty. The regular cover price was two ninety nine. They lowered it by fifty cents. Okay, okay, it was okay two fifty. Still, I mean that's a fifty dollar savings. And you know, and look if you were using mail or conics, then you get that thirty eight percent discount any, on top of that. So, it really to me is going to be a it'll be a game changer if if they decide to do it full line. I, I don't mind them doing it on certain books. I understand why they're doing it on these high selling books. Uh, they want to maximize the profit, but if they do it on ASM. It's going to be it's going to be tough for any any casual reader to to get. Yeah, going from nine bucks to to, to it's like getting an extra. It, it, it's like paying for an extra issue. It's 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 like uh, I mean I'm I, and, and if that happens, then what happens to ASM family? Is it going to go up to from four uh, three ninety nine to four ninety nine or or it already you know, is four ninety nine? Yeah, it's four ninety nine. it's four ninety nine, but it's a lot of freaking pages. Yeah, and then you go to five ninety nine. Then, uh, well, and, and yeah, don't get me started on Jackpot this last month. But uh, I haven't read it. Is that is it good? Is Spider Girl yeah. enough? I haven't read the last two issues of that. Spider Spider Girl is actually good. That that was a redeeming quality. The Spider Amazing Spider Man is made of ass. <laughs> uh, the Jackpot thing. That's what I'm like, Jonas Senior said. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That one doesn't have any ass left. Oh, it's all wow. falling to the floor. Oh, okay, please. Gravity. Yeah, gravity, maybe gravity. <laughs> but Zach does bring up a good point with um, the analogy to Steve Walker's previous work with the weekly DC titles. Because 52, when that was 250 and it was four issues a month, that was selling like friggin' hotcakes. They had they were ordering a bunch of copies at my comic shop and they couldn't keep it on the shelf. And then Countdown came out, and it went up to two ninety nine. It was also a flaming piece of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, Kevin, I don't think that had anything to do with the price. Uh, the but price tag, even that just, one, um, even before people found out it was a flaming piece of shit, <laughs> sales weren't as good on the first couple of issues even, and then people left. But then you get to Trinity, also two ninety nine, and you have the team of Kurt Busiek and Mark Bagley, I don't know anybody that's even tried one issue of that damn thing. I know I didn't. So I have every single one. And I did, have, did it suck? Um, I, I, I'll tell you when I read uh, 26 through 52. Because <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> that pretty I was much just buying it. Right it, buying it. <laughs> yeah. You were not really chomping at the bit for it, evidently. All right. No. Well, we're going to save recommendations for the end of the show, but we're going to tackle uh, message board questions now. And we uh, first one up, going to California, Music Fighter has an Alex Ross avatar of the original Human Torch, I think. Is that who that is? And he says uh, he's got a question for Kevin and Stella. And we're starting off the questions with the DC question. 
I know you guys want Barbara Gordon to return as Batgirl, but how is this different from Spider fans who wanted the marriage gone, essentially reversing the status quo simply because they prefer it? Stella, you, you tackle that one first. Uh, well, Kevin actually, he went into great detail about this on the message board, so I think instead of, um, probably repeating things, it's probably best to look at that, and I think we've really beaten to death why we like her, and, um... Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna see really what we think, I, I particularly had a long debate with our poster, Bertone Beetle, uh, on that very subject in the comics form, I think it's called the official Dick and Babs thread. Just look through there. It's pages and pages. Or on the internet. We'd take up a half an hour. On the internet, you could sadly get confused on the Dick and Babs, (laughs) Dick and Babs thread. Um, Bailey is our resident DC expert too. What, what do you think of that? I, I, I I think it's a very good analogy because well, Everything damn, now we got to go into the debate <laughs> if you're going to start debating. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Bar- no, I, was, I was thinking how to start. Barbara Gordon was more interesting in a wheelchair as Oracle than she ever was as Batgirl. And I, and I, and I can prove that. You can't prove it. It's, it's not yes. the preference. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever read any of the old Batgirl stories from the 70s and 80s? But- you know what? That doesn't actually matter. See, Bertone Beetle was coming at me with the same thing, too, trying to make it sound like, you know, my opinion isn't as valid because no, I'm I not saying read that all this all. old stuff. I've read, I've read Batgirl in a lot of flashbacks and modern stories, Batgirl Year One. I've read some of the old stuff. I've seen the iconic interpretations in Batman the Animated Series. The fact that I think <laughs> she's a much more interesting character as Batgirl, isn't diminished by the fact that I haven't read all the 70s stories that some people have. What I know is that I've read a lot of Oracle stories that were A, shit, and (laughs) B, from what I've seen, it's just not the same character. It's not like we had this, you know, very natural flow from Batgirl into Oracle and it's the same person. All of a sudden, her entire character is defined by she's this amazing world-class hacker that sits behind a computer and either controls everything or talks to other hackers. And that wasn't a defining part of her character before. Batgirl is is a different entity. They forced Oracle onto her from what I've seen, and I I don't care about Oracle. I think she's a okay. crap character, and it's I'd rather see the Barbara Gordon I like. That's my opinion, and exactly where I form that opinion doesn't really make my opinion any less valid. I'm not saying that at all, Kevin. I'm not saying that your opinion is any less valid, because I know you. You're an intelligent guy. I'm going to listen to your opinion, whether I agree with it or not. It just comes down to a difference of opinion here. I love Birds of Prey. I read that series until Gail Simone left it. I loved her in the Bat Books. I loved her in Suicide Squad. I loved her in JLA when she was this very vibrant character. And what you're, uh, and and the reason why I agree that it's kind of like Spider-Man's marriage going away is that to satisfy a certain contingent of people who think that she should be Batgirl, you're taking away something that has become part of that character. There's a blog out there called Has Boobs Reads Comics. Okay, hold on, I'm going right there. <laughs> <laughs> and. 
And she is a she is a redheaded girl who has MS. She when she when she's in public, she has to travel around on a little scooter. And she, for her, you know, Babs is this character to look up to. And that was my only thing. I wasn't going to sit here and say because you haven't read something that your opinion doesn't matter. I was just going to say it's a difference of opinion. It is a difference of opinion. And I, I, I guess, jumped on the wrong part when you said it was provable. Um, the thing for me... That was, that was me being uh, an ass and joking around. <laughs> <for them. laughs> um, but you say that it has any... Um, any relevance to the spider marriage I, I i disagree because spider-man marriage whether you think it came out of nowhere or not i don't i personally don't think it came out of nowhere but we're talking about the ongoing continuous story of this one character and mj and spider-man knew each other before they had dated a little bit before he had proposed her before they wrote the annual number 21 with the intention of marrying him, and that's the way it was going to be, and then it evolved that way for several years. That is a very different thing from Batgirl, who we had The Killing Joke, written by Alan Moore. Alan Moore was intending to write a non-continuity tale. He had no intentions of paralyzing this character for the rest of her life, but because it was Alan Moore, the bad office licked his balls, (laughs) and... Made the story in continuity. <laughs> so now you've got now you've got this character defined by something that was never supposed to be part of her character, and this is what she is for the rest of her life. It wasn't a natural flow; she was made to fit into it. And I just don't think there is any correlation at all there. And the point has been brought up about you know paralyzed people that might look up to her, and that's a great thing. They will always have those Oracle stories to look up to, but I don't think a comic book company has an obligation to fulfill that with a superhero. It's If somebody decided to give Spider-Man brain damage, we're not going to continue... We're not going to bring that into continuity and make Spider-Man a brain-damaged character because people with brain damage can look up to him. It just doesn't make any sense to me. That is not one of the obligations of a comic book writer. The obligation is to tell an interesting story, and I think Barbara Gordon out there as Batgirl, as a superhero, is a much more interesting story than anything I've ever read with her sitting behind this computer. I see the same thing over and over again. Bat books, JLA, the god-awful Oracle miniseries. And, I, yeah, that's pretty much my whole point. All right, Zach, real quick, what's your thought? we got to move on. <laughs> if we spend that much time on one question... This is why I was just going to refer people to Brad originally. <laughs> Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. What do you got? Uh, real quick, the uh, you talked about brain damage. Uh, we already reached that quota. If you'll if you'll refer back to Spectacular Spider-Man Volume Two, Issue Fourteen, Kevin's least favorite Morbius story ever. We did actually have a character with with uh, cerebral palsy, so I guess we've already hit that little point right there. Not giving Spider-Man brain damage, but having a character with brain damage. Music fighter. Yeah, not my point though. You know what I'm talking Music, about. Yeah, I know. Music fighter. About. Thank you for a hot one right off the top. Uh, so his second question is, what's uh, our favorite Spider-Man-related action figure and why? Mine is the Migu or Mego, Mi Mumu, Migu, Spider-Man. <laughs> Zach, what's your favorite? I bet you it's... Uh, it's I got two. I got two. The uh, the Spider-Man Classics, uh, Scarlet Spider, mm-hmm. and uh, which I'm 
I'm both looking at them both right now, and uh, the Ben Riley original five and a half. <laughs> no, he loves the twelve inch. Loves the twelve inch. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I forgot about the ten inch, not twelve inch Scarlet Spider, and uh, the um, Ben Riley, the very first one that they came out with in the nineties, uh, back when they were still short. Stella, uh, Stella what's your favorite? Um, the black suited spider from the animated series where you can pull that little piece out of his chest and he crawls up oh, his yeah. little web. Yep. JR, you got a favorite? Um, uh, I kind of <laughs> like the, um, I have to think about it. I've got so many yeah. of them, but they're locked away in a uh, closet. I, I, right now off the top of my head, I'd have to say the, um, the, uh, cloth, uh, Spider-Man and Green Goblin figures from the first motion picture. Mm. Which yep. have a uh, removable mask and the likenesses of Toby Maguire and William Defoe. Um, the problem with the Green Goblin one is that it won't stand on its own unless you prop it up against the wall because it's his jetpack on his back is so darn heavy right. it topples the character. But I'm, I'm kind of partial to the action figures with cloth costumes and that you can take their mask. Michael, off. do you own any Spider-Man action figures? I know you got a lot of DC uh, Select or whatever. Are those that what they're called? DC Select, DC Direct. Direct. That's um, it. I do have a couple that I own. Uh, my favorites that I that I don't have uh, that I would like to have were the two Secret Wars. Oh yeah, Spider-Man figures. Just because I remember those when I was a kid, and it was the first time I really saw the black suited Spider-Man. And frankly, I love that costume. So yeah, who's that would be it. And there's a great one that just came out. I just picked it up yesterday from the Superhero Squad. It's a two-pack where he's got web pits. You don't often see the web pits. But he's in a, in a two-pack with Tigra, so feel free to pick that one up. That's a good one, too. Uh, Kevin, you don't collect action figures, if I remember correctly. I haven't collected them since I was a kid, but I always loved the uh, the one from the 90s animated series of Morbius that his uh, face switches back and forth between vampire and human. Yeah, I've seen that one. Uh, Steve J. Rogers from New York. He says, with Amazing 600 upon us, what has been some of your favorite and least favorite of the century milestone issues in all of Spider-Man's titles? I don't think he can top 100, where he grew the extra arms. That was classic. Spectacular number 200 was yeah. great. He didn't say it was just amazing. Oh, yeah, that's so, true. I'd say spectacular number 200. 300 is one of my favorites of all time, too, with Venom. Uh, I'd say amazing 400. Yeah? Yeah. It's taken on its own. It was just a, a really... A really nice story. Stella, you got a favorite milestone issue? I think I would have seconded 300. Yeah. And JR, you've been around for all of them, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, yes, I have, Brad. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, uh, my personal favorite is um, uh, Amazing Number 200, where uh, after all these years, uh, Spider Man confronts the burglar again. Um, I mean, I tend, to, I tend to like that one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We kind of talked about the Vulture in 594 already, Steve. Your other question is, uh, the nearest comic shop to me is around the corner from a bar. So the other day I took 594, amazing 594 with me to the salad, I mean, said bar, not the salad bar, (laughs) and read it over a nice Belgian wheat ale, shock top produced by Anheuser-Busch. Uh, anyway, the question being, Maybe that's what we should do. We should drink and read these books. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that oh, I remember great. this one, Brad. It was great. Um, and someone... Uh, I like you guys. <laughs> he said a bar is someplace you wouldn't expect to read a comic book. JR, do you read it in the restroom? He wants to know where we read our books. And Kevin kind of hit on this how he reads it at work at the bank. 
JR, what do you read your books? Well, I uh, I have a habit of uh, whenever I go out to eat and I'm not with the family, I usually take a comic book with yeah. me. Um, it's not the most unusual places, but one of the most unusual things that did happen is when I was uh, in, uh, I think when I was in Rhode Island, and I had bought a bunch of comics, and I was sitting and reading them, and the guy said, oh, Spider-Man, the waiter said, oh, Spider-Man, that's cool, blah, blah, and we talked a little bit about Spider-Man, and then when he presented my bill, he drew a, spy, a, a Spider-Man face oh, on, nice. on my bill. Nice. <laughs> so that was, I mean, not the most unusual place to read them, but certainly one of the most unusual things to happen as a result of, of reading them in public. And so. Michael, you said you read yours at work. Occasionally, yeah. that, that wouldn't. I think the question was, what would be the place someone would least expect oh. to read a comic? And, and for me, I would hate to to see my bus uh, bus driver <laughs> in like you know when you're when you're taking public transit reading while he's driving. Yeah, that would I, be I think that, that would, would be odd. Upsetting. That would be odd. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that you, you what would happen would be with like the guy that was texting on the on the rail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the, uh, train, you know, <laughs> d- derails it because he's too busy texting his girlfriend. Yeah, no, <laughs> that might not be good. Or or the pilot uh, before he hits the autopilot button. Yeah, you don't want I mean, that. You don't want that. Yeah. I mean, how about a sewer man? You know, he reads it and throws Ooh. it in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. just more of a direct way of reading on the can. Yeah. Well, that's true. You you wipe and then flush. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Donald Mark? I think, uh, well, just real yeah. quick, I think probably J.J. Sr. probably uh, reads it right before the uh, climax. Oh, oh. <laughs> sweet Jeez. Jesus. Good Lord. Yelling, call me Ben, call me Ben. Uh, yeah. Say my name. Uh, Donald Mark from Nashville, Tennessee. To Zach and Kevin, what were your reactions and opinions to the last page of 592? We didn't have you guys on last month, so you have Aunt uh, May's in bed. What, what do you think, Kevin and Zach? I'll jump in first. Uh, I, I thought uh, suddenly you went from the story to a Cialis ad. <laughs> And uh, I was like, what the hell is this shit? Ask, um, ask your night nurse if you're healthy enough to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> that works, Brad. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was I was disgusted. Doc, and I, doctor, it, I'm getting a little strange, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was expecting to see a pill bottle next to the bed, but, you know, uh, McCone didn't, didn't draw that in there. I was kind of disappointed. Kev, Kev, did you throw up? Well, since I haven't got my books yet, my first exposure to that panel was as the message board banner, and dear God, I I logged in at work and said, what the? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was was not a good reaction. Uh, To the gang, why does everyone shit on the skin-deep arc of JMS's run? It's not one of my all-time favorites or anything, but I honestly don't think it's the worst story ever. What's the big deal? It's because it is shit. I don't like. Yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the new Molten Man, essentially, in my opinion. It's the only story of the JMS run that I really did not like at all. Yeah. The only good part was watching Uncle Ben take down a bunch of jocks in the front yard. Yeah. That was the only thing I really liked about it. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion on Peter Peter's stalwart stance against killing? And did you like it being tackled as a moral conflict when Spidey fought both Moreland and Shakira? Uh, Shatra. 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 Now he'd have to kill Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> hey, her well, Spider- don't lie, Spider-Man man. doesn't kill, bottom line, but he should have an inner monologue, an inner debate with himself about this would solve all of my problems. I mean, it, but yeah, if he doesn't acknowledge that fact, he's an asshole, but if he actually does it, then he's not Spider-Man. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, okay. Donald Mark, uh, would anyone want to see Flash Thompson get his legs back? Uh, Kevin and Stella. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, Stella, you don't want his legs back, do you? No, it really but it would is. Make such I would a good say. Back girl. Yeah, I was going to say that really does correlate to Batgirl, I would yeah. say. <laughs> JR, you and I have been with Flash for a long time. Should he regain his uh, legs? I'm sorry. Well, I uh, I mean, short of um, short of them actually giving him a prosthesis, which really exists now, I've always been of the opinion that in comic books, it's okay for superheroes and supervillains to come back from the dead or to grow new limbs or something like that. But I don't think it's okay for real people to do so. Uh, and so, unless it's a, unless it's a medically available technology right now, I would say no. Uh, Bert, Bertone, Bertone, Beetle, Newport, Ritchie, Florida. Uh, he calls this one Battle for the Webs. Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but hypothetically, what if, if you will, Peter had to stay off the drawing board for a while and we need a new Spider-Man. Who should his re- interesting replacement be? And he also uh, says pretend Ben is off the drawing board. Yeah, no no, no Scarlet Spiders. Sure. We've already been there. Sorry. <laughs> That's me grumbling. Because Ben's off the drawing board, I, I would I would say um, we could do like a d- Iron Fist uh, Daredevil thing. That'd where be we cool. Could, like uh, bring in the things how Peter's already been the uh, the Daredevil. We could do a role reversal and have Daredevil be Peter for a little while. About, Although I don't know how I don't know how well he'd see without the with the with the eye gla- with the glass eyes. And, how about Vin uh, Gonzalez? <laughs> how about not? <laughs> and say we did. Oh wait, we already did. I'm sorry. Um, well, the difference between Batman and Spider-Man, though, is that Spider-Man has a very specific set of powers that other people just don't have. <laughs> yeah. Um, Batman, you could have been in a suit, and there you go. But Well, I mean, you had uh, the Tony Stark uh, Scarlet Spiders, um, and they were able to mimic his powers just, just because of the suit. So, I mean, you could theoretically use that, that suit. All right, we're going to lockdown. As Kanye says, we're keeping our love lockdown. His... Uh, Question is, why do you believe that the Spider Trust is shoving Jackpot back upon us? She's been mentioned in the recent issues of Spider-Man, then got her actual origin in the pages of Amazing Family. Uh, why is she back? JR, why is she back? Well, uh, that's because Marvel will never let a character die. I mean, <laughs> it always seems to want to resurrect characters because it thinks it may be able to use them or merchandise them or market them at some point, and they just never want to let it go. Um, I think Jackpot should just completely disappear. She was a failed character. It didn't work. The resolution to her story was a failure. Uh, let her go. Yeah, and she's not Mary Jane, so that's out of there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you right now, they try to make they try to make it sound like she's a lesbian, too. <laughs> Uh, what happened? Um, I need to read the issue. I did. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like okay. Well, you know, I think part of it was this was probably written around the time Jackpot was still alive, mm. uh, or they were fixing to announce that they, they were fixing she's fixing to die. I then they changed it the very last second, so they came out with it. You know, eight months later. Um, <sighs> epic fail. Yeah. I mean, I would do like what Lockdown said. I would have Jackpot disappear. He would have Jackpot disappear in a cloak's cape, show up in the 2099 <laughs> universe, where Punisher 2099 throws her at Doom 2099, who then vaporizes her. Uh-huh. So that would completely settle that. that Stella, are you happy lock- uh, Lockdown? Are you happy Lockdown and, and uh, Jackpot are back? <laughs> um, uh, oh, 
plead the fifth on the first one. And the second one, um. <laughs> oh, snap! <laughs> uh, let me see here. Oh, okay. Well, no, I didn't like her in the first place. I mean, sure, when they were teasing it as if it were MJ, yeah, that would have been fine. But I think the reason they're bringing it back is it seems like they had a lot invested in her. I mean, they did really shove it upon us this past year, and then there was kind of this anticlimactic reveal. But I think they just want people to like her and if I don't know maybe they're trying to make her like a Batwoman and make her a lesbian are there any lesbians in the Marvel Universe I question we, we maybe got Michelle black cat who likes chicks that's about it she's bisexual yeah. though I mean that, that, uh, that that's yeah. different and that's only Night Nurse Spider-Man. Night Nurse no no she likes Doctor Strange yeah. uh, Michael I don't know your opinion on uh, Jackpot I, I think it was a the worst kind of tease you can have where it just doesn't lead anywhere. I, you know, I, I didn't like, I didn't like it when she was introduced. I didn't like any of her appearances and bringing her back. It, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Wow. We, we really screwed this up. <laughs> Let's see how we could fuck it up. Yeah, even no more. doubt. <laughs> Somebody yell his mouth bomb. Yeah. His first show, nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, his other question is, how do you feel about the various Marvel titles returning to their original numbering, such as Cap 600, Daredevil 500, uh, Spider-Man 600, blah, blah, blah. I, I love it. I think they, sh- they should keep the original numbering around. I think it's Marvel wanting to have their cake and eat it, too. They want to launch a title with a new number one to get the new number one sales. But, oh, let's go back to our roots. Yeah. And we'll make Incredible Hulk back to 600. I... I you know, it's not something to really hate. I just think it's really crappy on their part. Well, they an example of them having their cake and eating it, too, is Captain America 50, and then, what, the next month, Captain America 600? It's just, a, yep. yeah. it's just an excuse to put another issue out and charge you four or five bucks for it. So, now, Personally, I think it's a good thing to renumber these things, but only if they've earned it. I think it's kind of a bunch of bull when they do it with something like Thor, and they're just combining all the mini titles he's appeared in over the years and calling it Thor number 600. I mean, there's never been 600 comics titled Thor. It's never happened. And I've I read on the Internet even that uh, even if you do Hulk. add all those together, it's like they're still about 13 short for where they should be. It's the same as the Hulk, though. The Hulk didn't start with yeah. a number one. Uh, when it, it was like 101 when it took off from Tales to Astonish. Well, if you... And, if you that one, like... You go for number... Like Thor, that one apparently was... Uh, even if you do add all those up, they would have been at number 599 when they said it was 600. So not only are they cheating... Uh, well, okay, they're further cheating. <laughs> it's just really bad cheating. Uh, our good buddy Hertz uh, says, Sup, all. I have a co- couple questions for you this month and one for Mr. Bailey. Uh Woo-hoo. Question one for the group. It's a multi-parter. What exactly, exactly are soap opera elements, and why are they supposedly a vital component of Spider-Man's core? Jr., what's a soap Can opera? I get that one? Let's hear Jr. What's a soap opera element, Jr.? Oh, a soap opera element is these uh, endless romantic entanglements yeah. uh, that ultimately lead nowhere. Uh, and they lead to a lot of stupid moments where people don't talk honestly with each other or they leave a room, the instantly a phone rings or, you know, just, you know, 
I mean, if you watch soap operas, I mean, I, my mother used to watch soap operas, and God, I don't know why I used to watch them with her sometimes, yeah. but uh, they're basically a lot of those banal things where people don't act remotely human whatsoever, and they they do things that only service the plot and nothing else. That's a soap opera. Like element. the girl that wrote Spider-Man a note in the uh, the Pulse or whatever that gr- front, front line. line front line. Wow, you can't remember anything. <laughs> I, I remember you're an ass. That's all I need. <laughs> That's pretty much the key to life, so just hold on to that. Kev, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Soap opera elements are not just the cheesy, you know, romantic, over the top crap. Soap opera, the soap opera in anything gets a bad rap because those stupid shows are called soap operas. But really, any interpersonal drama you get in a story is the soap opera elements. So all that stuff that makes you actually care about the characters, scenes between Peter Parker and his wife, Harry Osborne's addicted to drugs, any of that stuff, that is all soap opera elements. I guarantee, no matter who you are, no matter who's listening, you like soap opera elements, and you are pretty much reading it because of the soap opera elements. Because without that interpersonal drama and learning about the real people, the superhero battles just don't matter. Most of the great TV shows you like... Uh, let's pick out Lost for one as a big show. All that, not just the cheesy romantic stuff, but all the interpersonal stuff that connects everybody, basically what everybody loves about the show, that's soap opera elements. Stories really don't work without them. That's what grounds the characters and makes them people. Yeah. Is that- I like my answer better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hertz has other questions for the group. He says he uh, recently bought a amazing- Wait a minute. Didn't Michael have something to say about oh, I'm that? I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, does anybody know why they're called soap operas? Oh, why? Because their original sponsors were detergents. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yep, that's true. Yeah. Hertz is other... My useless fact for the day. <laughs> Hertz is other questions for the group. He talks about how he recently bought uh, The Wedding Issue, Amazing Spider-Man Annual 21, and uh, there was a character named Bruce... They kept popping up trying to get MJ to run away with him to France. Apparently, he's the one that also got the honeymoon vacation from them in Spectacular Spider-Man Annual 7, I think, is off the top of my head. Uh, was he just in that story as a temptation for MJ, or was he in other stories either, either before or after? Spider-Man historian J.R. Do, I don't remember him in any other stories. Neither. I think he was just for that story. Does anybody else remember Bruce? I remember him in the annual, and I'm not the expert on what else was out at the time, but just from reading the annual, I got the impression he was just there for that story. Yeah, I did too. I, I thought he was Jim Shooter. <laughs> no. Sorry. That's fine. I just had to say it. So the answer hurts is we don't know who Bruce was. He was just randomly in that book. One to Mr. Bailey. With Spider-Man and Supes, I assume you're talking about Superman, Superman, be best buds, or would they end up having to hang out with Booster Gold. What's Booster Gold? Booster Gold is a uh, character fr- that came from the future to be a superhero that lived off of endorsements. And he- he's had kind of a spotty history, okay. but I-, I have a lot of affection for the character. Yeah. Um, Superman really doesn't hang out with other superheroes. I mean, he- you know, him and Batman work together a lot. But as far as us like sitting around having a you know having a brewski or something, I I just don't really see it happening. The, the most I would see is if they both had monitor duty, <laughs> in, in, you know, in, in satellite, you know, just sitting there having a cup of coffee or something. Yeah. Uh, but but what, what this question reminded me of was the time I interviewed Roger Stern and he said that Superman was what's. Did someone hang up on me? No, no, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Still Girl again. Yeah. 
Um, Go ahead, Michael. Was the was uh, the interview I did with Roger Stern where he said that uh, Superman was what Spider-Man wanted to be. Ah, so. gotcha. Okay, pause for a second. That's Get the Stella back. That's a that's a dig against you, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuzz? What the fuzz, Stella? Tell me what's happening. What's oh wait a minute. What's, what, what's, the, what's the fuzz? What's the fuzz, y'all? <clears throat> oh, bring in Stella. You're, you there, girl? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't know. Is it because I haven't updated the newest? Not that I know of. I, this has never happened. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just Skype. Which <laughs> That's what I he have... said. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. So let me get back into it. Okay. All right. I transferred my... Sorry. Spidey. <laughs> I can't... <laughs> Spidey Site UK with a great uh, Joker avatar. He says he's got individual questions for everyone. So the first one's to me. Are you looking forward to Hulk number 600 featuring our favorite webhead? Yes, I am. I read Hulk 12 last night. And evidently the numbering goes to Hulk 12 and then 600. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it. I Hopefully they figure out who the hell this Red Hulk is. Michael, you're the other Hulk expert on this. Who do you think Red Hulk is? I think it's Glenn Talbot. I do too. That's exactly who, when the, the last panel, when he says how he, the Green Hulk broke his heart, I thought of Betty and I thought, that's gotta be Talbot. That was exactly my thoughts. But. I thought Talbot was dead. Oh, he got better, didn't he? Oh, oh. yeah, like that, yeah, Norman Osborn was dead too. <laughs> yeah, no, right back at you, JR. <laughs> Hulk, 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 sad. <laughs> Kevin and Michael, have you watched all of Smallville season eight? If if you did, what are your thoughts? Michael, you want to take that first, or shall I? Um, I, I well, it'll be a really short answer. Uh, I haven't watched Smallville since the end of season six. I'm waiting for the box sets to be fifteen dollars at Walmart. So <laughs> I'm bad at watching uh, episodic did. television. So. I did watch, I watch a lot of freaking episodic television and, uh, I did watch all of Smallville season eight and there were some, there were some big ups and some big downs. Uh, overall it was a pretty good season. Their, uh, their version of Doomsday was very interesting with, uh, Davis Bloom and I'm interested in where they're going with the end of it. Um, I'll try to spoil anything for Michael if he eventually watches it, but, um, I know everything that happens. Okay, well, my one worry with what they introduced was it sounded like they're about to do the new Krypton story, and it would be a really bad idea to do a story that's still currently running in the comics in Smallville, especially when I didn't like that story. But, uh, I don't know, apparently the guy that played Davis might be back to play Zod next year, so that would be interesting. I I have been watching Smallville, and I don't want to... I can't spoil it for Kevin if I say anything, won't I? Or Mike... I, I just said I've watched the whole Oh, thing. Um, Michael is the one I, if I say anything else. And I know everything that happens, so okay. go ahead. I, I, see, I'm, I'm a Marvel guy and I like Smallville. And I like, I liked the Doomsday story. I imagine it varies di- a lot different from the comics. It does. Yeah. But oh, Doomsday, God. Doomsday from the comics is not something you would want to put in Smallville. And right. one thing that I thought was interesting, uh, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong on this, cause I'm not an expert on that period of Superman history. Um, didn't Doomsday come from, like, the middle of the planet? Wasn't he imprisoned in the middle uh, of either our planet or another one? Yeah, well, he, he's Kryptonian. Uh, he was yeah. he was created on Krypton. They launched him into space, and he was buried deep underground for centuries until he clawed his way out uh, during yeah, so, the start of the Doomsday saga. 
So that's what I thought was interesting, was they did this whole... Obviously, they've changed the way it begins, but they did the whole Doomsday thing the way they ended it. Uh, Doomsday was split off from Davis, and Doomsday was put in the middle of... He was put straight into the center of the Earth, so they can still... <laughs> do the later Doomsday story, and they've just kind of changed the origins of it. So I thought that was an interesting dovetail. They also cleaned up all the differences between this Jimmy Olsen and the comic book Jimmy Olsen. Very interesting. Which stuff. was gay. Yeah, that was, that, that was a, <laughs> the cheat I didn't really care for. That, that would be the biggest cop-out of the year. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Chloe the entire time. What, they were going to get rid of Chloe? Oh, what was it, Chloe? Yeah, that they were going to kill her off, and I was, like, emotionally preparing myself for this. But oh, then no, it didn't. Yeah. No, the, the, the amount of money and stuff that they threw at Allison Mack to sign her contract, they're not getting rid of her. <laughs> yeah, and I, then, you know what's funny? They've tried so hard to get, and Michael knows better than I will, but uh, they've tried to get Chloe in the books so long. Uh, mm-hmm. For so long, and, and it's just never worked. I don't know why. I mean, she it would be. Does it, very does it work, Michael? Is the Chloe comic book? It's, it's good. Well, they they announced about a year and a half ago that she was finally coming to the comics. That she was going to be a younger cousin of Lois Lane, and I think it really boils down to a of oddly enough a rights issue mm. that somehow the the way. Chloe was created, and the rights of the Warner Bro- the TV end of Warner Brothers owning her, they can't use her in the comics for some reason, unless it's a direct adaptation. <laughs> I, From what I understand, I, I have to, I have to interject. Was... I just asked Jr. in the chat window if you read Smallville or watch it. He goes, "Hell no, I don't love that." <laughs> but Jr. is there a reason you don't watch Smallville? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's Dawson's Creek Superman. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's actually what I called it when it first came on was Smallville Creek. I agree. Yeah, I mean, what the hell is the point of watching a Superman show and he never becomes Superman, you know? And it's plus it's got all those soap opera elements, you know? <laughs> good one, Jr. That's a good uh, one. Thing. Spidey Side UK's other questions for Kevin. I hear heard you had a plan for a Daredevil story. If you any pre if you any, if you have any previews or teasers, <laughs> what what do you think, Kevin? Uh, well, I still have you know tiny hope that it might see print someday, so I don't want to just tell you the story. But the it's just kind of a probably a six issue story that examines the uh, relationship between Daredevil and Elektra post resurrection in a way that I haven't really seen done. I thought it was where he went. He gained his sight and he had to use his spider sense. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for assuming I'm a crap writer. <laughs> uh, Michael, other question. Do you see like I do you see like I see <laughs> this huge similarity in the characters of Peter Parker and Clark Kent pre-marriage? They both are clumsy and had this rotten luck. Okay, this is when I look like the biggest dork on the panel for the day. Oh, no, it's um, going to be tough to top us. <laughs> the, the Clark Kent that existed before he got married was not clumsy and did not have rotten luck. When he was brought back in Man of Steel and the whole thing was revamped, Clark was a was a respected reporter. He was a novelist. You know, he had this whole great life for himself, and he wasn't clumsy and didn't have rotten luck. Beyond that, Peter Parker's life sucks just naturally. <laughs> Clark Kent being clumsy was always a put on. Yeah, that's true. If you're going to look at it like that, he he pretended to be like that. So it the two characters, I believe deep down the two characters have a lot in common. 
with, with how they, with the reason why they do what they do. Uh, the reasons are completely different. But I, I don't see much of a similarity. Sorry, Spidey Site UK. Uh, let's see. JR, I'm reading a majority of these Dark Rain issues with the Thunderbolts and others. My question, who do you expect to bring Norman down? Harry Osborn. Ah, really? Why? Yes. Well, for one, because I honestly think that would be a better story. And this kind of goes back to why I, what I said earlier about Peter becoming bland and Harry becoming a more interesting character. It simply is a more interesting story for Harry to take his own father down yeah. because of this mutual, this, like I said, their father and son, they, they have a sort of twisted, tortured love for each other. Uh, but Harry, Harry knows the difference between right and wrong. Norman does not. Mm. Norman's version of right is whatever Norman wants. However, Harry knows better. And it would be, uh, it would be a better story for Harry to take him down. And, and that's a, and that's a shame because the hero of the story should be Spider-Man. Exactly. I mean, Spider-Man should take Norman Osborn down. And, you know, they flirted with the whole Spidey, Norm, uh, Peter, Norman, father, son thing. But ever since Brand New Day, when they wiped, when they did the mind wipe and they wiped Norman's knowledge of Spider-Man's identity, that took that dramatic element away, mm-hmm. which is why I was never, I, I was not I understand now why Norman can't know that Peter is Spider-Man, because if he did, I mean, how could he honestly leave Spider-Man alone if he knew who he was? I mean, he just couldn't. I mean, so it it serves the story for him not to know, I guess, because of where Norman is right now. But it it, it really has taken away a major part of the conflict between Peter and Norman. And, And like I said... Frankly, you know, as you see, as you, and now you see Harry starting to work his way into Norman's Avengers because he has some kind of ulterior motive in mind. Um, I mean, I think it would, I mean, ultimately, I think if they were, if they're going to try to tell a good story, it has to be Harry taking down right. Norman. Uh, for Stella, what game are you looking forward to playing more, Infamous or Prototype? And are you super excited for Uncharted 2? I think we know the last, answer to that last one. Hells yeah, I'm excited for that game, and uh, I'll probably say Infamous just because I bought that. Um, so I'll say that. Is that game cool? I've been thinking about it. It's kind of it, the trailer looks very comic booky. It is. Yeah. Somebody asked me down below, so I'll go more. Oh, okay. Got you. Uh, Zach, what would you, what would be your reaction if Ben Riley came back in Amazing 600? I would be dancing in the streets and Lionel Richie and, style. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would be trying to walk on. I would be trying to walk on the on the ceiling, dancing on the ceiling. Um, no, I, I would probably send a text message out to Stella, Brad, Kevin, respectively. And uh, he wants me to uh, bring George Behrman back on the panel if uh, if the marriage comes back. So, Good God! Yeah, I think six guys is enough. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> we got it's like a VW Bug in college. Uh, Persian Spider from Iran, Tehran, says, this is Persian Spider from Tehran, Iran. Uh, I really got to hand it to you guys for your great podcast. They're enjoyable, fun, and informative. Thank you so much. Life is not dull anymore here in Tehran, and I owe it to you. Thanks again. I'm making Iran more livable. Uh, there are some legendary comic book writers who have never written a Spider-Man comic in their brilliant careers, like Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, or Neil Gaiman. Does anyone want... Uh, does any one of does any one of you want to see them write a Spider-Man comic? I don't understand why people come every time Alan Moore is on a book. I, I really don't. Every every single Alan Moore book I've read, I've been like, okay, that's uh, whatever. I'm not. I don't know. People like 
like jizz their shorts every time Alan Moore comes on a book. I'm like, oh. what the hell ever? It's, it's these are just a dude. these are mainly uh, DC guys. So Bailey, what do you think? Um, Grant Morrison maybe just to see what he would do. Yeah. Uh, Neil Gaiman would write a good. I think. I think Morrison, Gaiman, and Moore could write a good story. I don't think they would be good on an extended run on the I book. Agree. Anybody read Amazing Fantasy 161780 by Kurt Busiak? Uh, I did. It was okay. I don't remember much about it. Anybody else read it? Uh, there was some, a lot of forgettable villains. The painted artwork was really yeah, nice. Yeah, I give though. you that. Actually, in fact, I will refer back to some of our previous podcasts because I think I recommended that as a recommendation. JR, did you like that, those three? Boy, it's been a long time since I read them. Yeah, I honestly, the the villains were lame. But to be, I agree. But to be honest, I really, I really remember very little. Now the other question is aimed for Jr. Uh, when are you going to update your site? I'm dying to read your year in reviews for 2007 and 08. Well, uh, I, I tell you, one, Persian Spider is one of my older fans, and I always appreciate his support. Yeah. And uh, I want to do say I appreciate the support of a lot of people who have written and asked when I'm going to write again. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to belabor it. I'm just going through a very tough period. Um, I have, my, uh, the place where I work was purchased in October, and I didn't know if I was going to be dealing with a job transfer, which I am not ready for. And I seem to have dodged that bullet, but I've got some other bullets that are coming out. Plus, my son is, is seven. He's going to be eight. He's getting more active in things. I've been spending a lot more time with him. Um, I, you know, I really don't know. I hate to disappoint people, um, and I'm very glad and, and flattered that you want more essays, um, but <laughs> I just don't know, and that's the honest answer. Yeah. I just don't know. Spider Tour 02, we'll aim this one to Stella. She kind of already said it. What do you think on a scale of 1 to 10, Peter Parker nudity? 10? Hello. <laughs> spider, <laughs> spider Pool 279 from Piddletown, Maryland. Is there really a Piddletown, Maryland? Uh, hey guys, within the last two weeks, I've listened to all 70 of your podcasts. Good Lord. <laughs> JR, I'd like to thank you. Hey, Seuss. I used your article, Women, for a four to six page research paper for my English class, and I got an F on it. No, 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 he didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's what happened when I actually wrote it for him. Then he, oh, he got an F. <laughs> but anyway, he, uh, he liked your quotes the best in your article, Women. Uh, uh you. Kevin, your webcomic is amazing. I'd like to thank you. And also your recommendation of Dean Kuntz on Frankenstein was great. So he liked that. And the question, uh, what do you guys think of the Alex Ross number 600 cover? Why is Spider-Man fighting six robotic arms? I guess we'll find out in the book. <laughs> yeah. It, it, because, um, Doc decided to, uh, to incorporate the Carlisle Oct costume. Maybe current Oct Maybe Oct puts a uh, tentacles on all the Sinister Six. What do you think? I don't know. Or maybe uh, Doctor. All right, Oct let's keep plowing. A little okay. Something, something <laughs> that's with, what she uh, said. That's what Jonah Jameson said. Uh, uh, <laughs> Spider Dad. Uh, <laughs> question aiming for uh, Jr. I think it's actually a byproduct of another of request, Jr. Of a VD that he got from All right. Well, thank you. 
uh, like I said, the spider pool, that's no about as good a guess you're going to get out of things, but thanks for uh, Spider uh, Daddy, what Spider-Man stuff did you ask for Father's Day? I haven't asked for Spider-Man stuff. They always blame me that I buy it before they can buy it. the recent fist bump. I don't know. I think we already talked about Peter's political leaning. We didn't really Matisse Leonhardt, Kevin, good start on the series The Dead. Are you hey try guys, glad to see my friend Michael Bailey on the show. Michael Bailey. Did you sent the image, though? Uh, there you go. Slow clap. Yeah, it's already That's been pitched to Image and Dark Horse, and they've gone several months without the so I'm assuming they don't care for it. So the next stage is kind of up in the air. But if anybody's wondering what he's talking about, you can go to a thread in our comics forum that has the covering for a comic I've been working on. I think I agree. I think putting MJ in the book will improve it, if anything, because... She's an integral. Despite what Joe Cachada might say, she's an integral part of the, of the yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, she's she's a part that I've grown with for 20, 25 years, so. I agree, but I hated the way she was using her one appearance in Brand New Day, so I'm reserving judgment until I read it. But why, do, why does it seem that many writers in comics hate romance? It's because us that read comics never got any as a young kid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two questions for Michael Bailey. Explain why Joe Cusada is a tool. That's mean. I, I don't think he's a tool. I think he's a guy doing the job the way he thinks it should be doing. It's 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 the price we pay for fans becoming the professionals. Yeah. So you know their opinions are going to differ from ours. Calling him a tool really doesn't serve any purpose. Now Dan DiDio over at DC is another issue entirely, but he didn't ask about that, so yeah. I won't go into it. And explain why your semi-regular co-host Shag is always wrong and you are always right on your show. I have a feeling that me and Steve Rogers are going to be butting heads soon. Why is uh, Shag so- always wrong? <laughs> He's not. It's just an ongoing joke between Shag and I, yep. where Shag will tell me I'm wrong, and I'll hang up on him. Classic. So, crazy Chris. But it's your show. You're always right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can edit it, so you are. <laughs> crazy Chris, location, slouching toward Spider-Ham. Wow. Wow. Uh, Brad, what do you think of John Byrne's run on West Coast Avengers? Um, I really haven't read it, sir, but I do own it. I picked it up really cheap at a comic book convention about 10 years ago and still haven't read it. But I think they really screwed up the vision is what I've heard from, from stories of the storyline. But I, that was back when Burn, I loved Burn's pencils. And when I saw it for like a 50 cent box, I picked up, up the whole thing. Uh, uh, B-Dog from Canada with a Nightwing avatar. Uh, aiming a question at me and Stella. By now, Stella must have gotten her copy of Infamous, so I'd like to hear her thoughts on it. And also, BD, are you planning on picking up this game? It's very superhero-esque, and I found it very enjoyable. So, Stella, now's your chance. What do you think of Infamous? Okay. You know, this is, is guy... A, is a Tory spelling in this one? Um, no. Okay, never mind. She wrote a book, Infamous. Go ahead. No, no, that was, that was no, notorious. I'm sorry. I screwed up. Oh. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, this guy is really. F- I remember he got his game, and I swear, like 24 hours later, he had beaten it. I was like, "What?" But oh. the really good game. The first two hours I played it, I was, and it was because I turned my joystick to the right, the camera would move, and vice versa, and it was so disorienting until I figured out that in the options menu, I could, it was the camera was reversed. So then I. Regular and I'm okay now, but the story okay. elements are really good. Um, when it actually goes into sort of 
story mode, it's it's really like this action uh, or motion comic, and it's just really well done. And there are moments where, especially when you're sort of poisoned by this oily grease, um, he's so disoriented, and it makes me disoriented, so it's really good. You're really connecting with the character. So I'm still in uh, Neon City because I'm kind of the person who has to, like, find all the shards and everything before moving on, but I really recommend it. It's an awesome title, and it's playable multiple times because you can go good or bad, and so I recommend it. Sweet. Uh, Kevin, when did you make it to the big leagues? When you make it to the big leagues in comics and can't find a reliable colorist, will I get a job? Uh, why do you think you wouldn't be the first choice? <laughs> so you're hired, B Dog. Zach, let's talk Clone Saga. What were your favorite moments? Name one. What's your all time favorite moment? Uh, all time favorite moment. Uh, probably. Probably when Ben Riley debuted as Spider Man. Uh, that was probably my all-time favorite moment when he made the costume and he swung out that first time and Dan Jurgens wrote that, that fantastic zero issue which never made any sense to me why we had a zero issue but um, yeah it was the 90s yeah, it was, yeah everybody smoking dope back then it's okay <laughs> B-Dog uh, also asked JR can you pass the Ozcorn get your own <laughs> Uh, aiming at me, I usually come up with a Green Lantern question to mess with you, but I don't have one this month, so Kevin, take it away. Okay, ask me a Green Lantern question, Kevin, I guess, I don't know. Uh, Brad, which Green Lantern is your favorite? I like the green one. Uh, Michael <laughs> Bailey, <laughs> don't want to leave you, leave you out. What's your thoughts on ASM? Um, <laughs> getting better, liked, I've liked the last couple of stories. Uh, there's been very little that I have absolutely hated. I would have hated to have had to review the title when the Punisher story was going on and all that, because I probably would have had very little good to say about it. But it's heading into an interesting time. Unfortunately, like I kind of alluded to earlier, 596 sucked all the ass. Which one was uh, that one? The, oh, the latest oh, issue. We haven't read that one yet. Okay. All yeah, ass. Uh, that's why I'm not really going into it. It was Next it month will be a trip. Goddamn awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But agree. you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that it picks up before the end. Yeah. Still a nerd uh, says for Stella, what was your reaction when you learned that beyond all logic, reason, and sanity, the Twilight movie somehow won Best Fight, Breakthrough Male Performance, Female Performance, Best Kiss, and Best Movie of the Year at the MTV Movie Awards? You know the. T- 2009 MTV Movie Awards were by far the worst I have ever seen in my life, and it was such a letdown because I had high hopes in Andy Samberg, but it was terrible. Do not waste your two hours. And all those, those were ridiculous. Let's be honest. When you put up uh, Kristen Stewart, who is a... I mean, she's not the worst actress, but she's not, I mean, I could do a better job, especially in my musicals and everything. But when you put her up against Kate Winslet in The Reader, that's plum ridiculous. I mean, you can tell who's voting for these, but it was really ridiculous. Even though I liked it, it was sided one way, yeah. She's kind of breaking in and out. I didn't hear all that. One more time. Um, what exactly do you need me to say? That's all right. It was plum ridiculous is what I got. Uh, Well, well, because... For the best female performance, you put up yeah. 
Kristen Stewart, who I could act better than, against Kate Winslet, the reader, who yeah. was nominated for an Academy Award, and that, that right there is ridiculous. So it's yeah. just showing who's voting for this stuff. Uh, didn't she win the Academy Award there, Stella? I yeah. do believe so, yeah. I think she did. So, I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this, this was, this was, this is, uh, first of all, MTV is, is a joke anyway. They become a, they become a joke over the past 10 years. Yeah. Uh, they, the, the <laughs> Twilight? I mean, I, I just I, I finally watched Twilight a couple weeks ago, and honestly, it made me want to go jump off a cliff. I mean, it was it's a chick flick with vampires. No offense, yeah. though. Uh, for Kevin, having looked at your preview for your new series, The Dead, good job, by the way. It got me wondering, how do you view the current state of American horror comics, or considering how I can only think of Walking Dead, Marvel's Stephen King adaptions, and Ghost Rider, the lack thereof? Well, thanks for the compliment. Um... I'm really not all that into horror in general, to tell you the truth, which might be surprising from reading that. But I, with anything I do, it's always about character. I prefer character stories, and I like supernatural elements. You know, vampires, werewolves, all that stuff. doesn't have to be necessarily just a horror thing, because horror, to me, exists to scare you. And I, I never liked horror movies, because if they're good, then they scare me, and that's not entertaining to me. And yeah. if they don't scare me, then they're crap. So <laughs> what's the point? But, yeah, I like supernatural elements and things like, you know, Morbius, the whole Midnight Suns, Blade. That, those are supernatural things. But you give me, like, a, a zombie movie, I, I really don't care. Yeah. Uh, the other question is, for Zach, if Ben Riley does come back, as Marvel appears to be hinting at, what would you like to see done with the character? Um, make him a supporting cast member, make, uh, establish a relationship with Harry, uh, have them kind of be the three amigos. If we're going to have this swinging single Peter Parker, uh, you might as well have these guys, uh, but my, 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 what I'm very afraid of is, is that he's going to be nowhere, in no way recognizable to his previous, uh, incarnation. So that's my biggest concern, but I really would like to see him as a supporting cast member. Hell, it, um, be a stand-in for uh, have him swing off into the night if 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 need be if Peter's on like a date or something you know have him as a substitute on occasion don't make that a everyday thing but just you know would you like him in that uh, regular red and blue outfit or would you like him in that uh, hoodie <laughs> the damn hoodie as uh, as George yeah. Brayman refers to it as yeah uh, I, if you're gonna bring him back I really I actually prefer the Ben Riley Spider-Man suit. More so than the Scarlet Spider suit. Yeah. Uh, Scarlet Spider suit, I don't think, and as it as originally written, was only supposed to be a temporary thing. Uh, wasn't supposed to be a end all be all. But uh, yeah, I, I would prefer the Ben Riley suit on him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For Jr., where do you see Norman Osborn's role in the Marvel Universe after Dark Reign is over, or do you think Norman has nowhere else to go afterward except maybe dead? Uh, Norman will not die, but I do expect Norman to get a significant vacation and yeah. probably return to more of his classic roots as, as the Green Goblin. But uh, I, I, that's a little far away to speculate. Yeah, that, we're, we're, we're talking about two, three years, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, for Brad, if Sam Raimi asked you for your input on the upcoming Spider-Man 4, including writing part of the script, what suggestions would you offer? I would say I I would like a we've we've talked about this many times on the podcast. I want a throwaway villain. I want the throwaway villain at the top, maybe the spot, somebody funny at the beginning of the beginning of the movie, and then delve into the big villain. Like say Spot Rhino I Rhino I think would make a funny right off the top. Just him fighting him in the city or something like that. Just 
even the hypno hustler, somebody funny that's a throwaway villain, and we're like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I and I'll, I'll agree with that because we need more quips. We need yes. more smart ass. We need now, a funny Spidey. Yes, I mean, uh, I was reading uh, in the final issue of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, they have an interview with Bendis, and he says, you know, uh, they were asking him for some input on the first Spider-Man movie, and he actually wrote a line making fun of Norman's costume. And 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 his words were, the, the lady, that the producer literally shot him the look of hell because they – and literally said, well, we spent a lot of money on that costume. Yeah. He goes, but Peter would make fun of it. And, and, and that's the one thing that I – Miss so much about the Spider-Man about, about Spider-Man. I mean, I, I was in there watching with my uh, buddy this spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, and he couldn't. He was kind of like, "Man, I'm laughing through some of the quips on the, on the show." So, for Mr. Bailey, in terms of characterization, which comic book character you can limit it to Spider-Man comics if you want is the most underrated, and which is the most overrated, sir? Um, hmm. I think in terms of comics, Wolverine is the most overrated character right now. Yeah. Uh, underrated, uh, man, you know, I've been trying to come up with, I've read this like a week ago and I still can't come up with a, with a really good character that I think is, that, that is truly underrated because everybody that I like is in a book. So, yeah. uh, I'll say stilt man. <laughs> Wade Wilson from California. Kevin, which 2011 movie are you looking forward to more? Green Lantern or Spider-Man 4? That's a tough question, because either of them could be handled really well or really badly. But uh, I guess, depending on the trailers I see and what villains are in Spider-Man 4, I'm definitely excited to see Green Lantern brought live action to the screen for the first time. That should be yeah. quite something if done right. Well, you've seen Spider-Man on screen three times already, so yeah, it's, it's probably... Exactly. If, if they yeah. were, and since they said they're not going to have Morbius in Spider-Man 4, mm. you can't go anywhere but down. Uh, BD, same question. Uh, Spider-Man 4, I'm looking forward to more. Uh, Stella, <laughs> have you read Slaughterhouse 5? I'm reading it for school and just was wondering what you think about the book. I have not read that, but I think I'll probably, uh, maybe I'll read that next because I just finished a war novel and since Slaughterhouse 5 by Kurt Vonnegut is, um, is sort of an anti-war novel, I think I'll, I think I'll take your suggestion and I will read that. And so hopefully next month I'll be able to, Give you my thoughts. Shadow116 from Milton, Florida, who has uh, Kevin in his signature picture. There you go. Uh, big hello to Michael Bailey, and welcome to the cast. Stella, have you read any Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? If so, do you have a favorite? I don't have a favorite. I haven't read them, but when I was younger, I used to listen to them on tape. So they were very uh, entertaining, even for a young child as myself. Are you a Tolkien fan from Lord of the um, yeah, I've only seen the movies, though. I haven't uh, jumped into right. the books. JR, why do you think our favorite goblin is such a captivating villain? Oh, that's a good question, which I probably don't have the time for. But in short, I think everybody likes a villain because yeah. villains villains do and say things that we think and would like to say but can't in good society. Um, you know, I mean, after all, who's the most popular character in Star Wars? It's the villain, it's Darth yeah, Vader. Darth, yeah. Because he's, and also because he's the most tortured of all the characters. You know, there, uh, and I think with Norman, Norman is a tortured character. He's not just an evil character. He's certainly not anybody that you like or feel sorry for, but he's very tortured. Also, there's the thing, we know he's a monster. <laughs> 
Society doesn't. They think he's great. But, you know, like the serial killer that kind of prowls anonymously, we know that he's a monster, and therefore we right. kind of have that insight in him that other characters don't. So that, that that's just quick off the top that's of my good. head. That's good. That's good. It would be worth an article in itself, but we don't have time. Do you, uh, can you do a quick advertisement for Ozcorn? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> let me t- okay, Peter and Harry are watching a movie on the cu- couch of the Osborne Mansion. Holding hands. He- okay. <laughs> no, no, not that. No. The bromance. Gee, gee, Harry, this popcorn is lame. Don't you have anything better? Hi, boys. Oh, hi, Dad. Here, boys, stop eating that wussy popcorn and have some real popcorn. Some Oscorn. Munch, 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 munch. Gee, Mr. Osborne, this is good, but uh, why is the popcorn glowing green? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> That's Oscorn. It'll make you smarter, stronger, uh, with some side effects like total insanity and giving you an erection that lasts for four hours. But hey, <laughs> but hey you'll be able to strike a goblin glider and fly through the city and look good and green. And most every kernel popped. Oscorn. <laughs> wow. That was, awesome. that was awesome. That was awesome. As, oh my as long as, as Harry Osborne doesn't do what Mickey Work did in the movie The Diner, everything will be fine. That was crazy. That was awesome, JR. Very good. Uh, for me, your dislike for DC is clear, but do you dislike Dark Horse or Image as well? Yes. Uh, my other question <laughs> is your most prized possession related, your most prized Spidey related possession. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one. I've told many times I bought it for 50 bucks from a broke college kid. Love that book. Uh, Kevin, are you a fan of urban legends or mythology? Uh, don't really care much about urban legends. They usually sound dumb. But, uh, yeah, everybody likes mythology. I, I did a short revamp of an Avatar character called Pandora based on Greek mythology and did a lot of research on that. And Hey, you can really get into that if you try. It's some interesting stuff. And if you had to write for a medium outside of comics, what would it be? Uh, it would definitely be novels. I've actually been working on novels, and that's, you know, it's, it's it's not tough to write a novel. There aren't all those format concerns. I'd love to write a movie, but screenplays, you have to buy a damn program to get the right format for it. Yeah. Zach, I know you like the Clone Saga, but you're are you a fan of the Jackal? Well, without the Jackal, there wouldn't be a Clone Saga, but I prefer the 90s Jackal over the goofy 70s Jackal, because he was kind of like, ooh. So, <laughs> if you uh, could cast anyone to play Ben Riley in a Spider-Man-related medium, who would you pick? Uh, I mean, I'm going to say Brad Pitt, because, I mean, that's what they kind of try to make it look like, make him look like with the whole blonde hair thing, so, yeah. Michael, what is the worst Superman adaption? Or Zach, I'll say by the bell, sorry. <laughs> Michael, what's the worst Superman adaption to you? The 1975 ABC version of the musical. Of, of There's a Superman musical? <laughs> in, 19, in 1966, it was called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. <laughs> in second place would be, well, Linda Lavin from uh, Alice from yeah. Alice w- was in it. Uh, uh, second would be the third and fourth season to Lois and Clark. Wow. Uh, Worst Superman Returns? What? Yes, worse than Superman Returns. <laughs> what is your favorite Superman story and why? A story arc called Exile because that came out in 1988. It was the first story that I read as a regular Superman reader that just had me hanging on the edge of my seat every issue. He goes off, he exiles himself off into space, and it was the the first and and pretty much the last time that I that I read a comic and was like, well, well, is this how it's going to be? And yeah. Because of that, I'll always remember it. 
Yeah. Uh, Jack Bauer uh, asks Michael Bailey, are there any Superman story arcs you would like to see adapted in the film? Um, one is one of them is already being adapted in the the public the public enemies movie that's coming out uh, later this year. I would really like to see a, a storyline called Panic in the Sky, mm-hmm. where Superman assembles a bunch of different heroes to take on Brainiac, who is about to invade the Earth. And it was just a really solid story. I liked it a lot. Uh, let's see. Jack Bauer's other question is, have you played Infamous? Yes, Stella has. I haven't, but I'm kind of curious about it. I might pick it up. But 60 bucks, man. These games, Stella, they're so expensive. Yes, they are. <laughs> are any of the games that came out of E3 that you were looking forward to? There was one that I'm really looking forward to. It's called the new Super Mario Brothers Wii, where it's a side-scroller. It's 2D. It's kind of in the same uh, vein as the original Super Mario Brothers. But you can have four people play on it at once. I think that looks awesome. And, of course, Ultimate Alliance 2 looks great. Any, Epic, any, win. Epic win. Anybody else? Any games you see that uh, look cool from E3? Definitely Uncharted 2, um, Batman yeah. Arkham Asylum looks like a winner, uh, God of War 3. There are all these like that are coming out rapid fire all next year. Yeah, so. We're going to be broke. Jack Bauer's last question, any thoughts on Terminator Salvation? It was ass on a stick. I hated it. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was it was real, real friggin' bad. And I this is from a guy who loves all three Terminator movies and loves the Sarah Connor Chronicles. This one was ass. Anybody else see it? Wow. Yeah, so I actually liked it, but I didn't like Terminator One through Three. See, there you go. <laughs> well, why would you why would you go to the fourth one if you hated one to three? <laughs> well, the Sarah Connor Chronicles was great. This is a completely different team doing a completely different movie. So, yeah, I actually liked that. This was a fun movie. Yeah, I that, haven't seen it yet. I'm planning on. I'm probably going to see it at the Dollar Fifty Theater. I, I, yeah, too much money for it. Uh, Diabetic Spidey from wow. Minnesota. Question anyone on the panel, has there ever been a comic where Spidey and Deadpool met? Yes, Deadpool number 12, which is a great issue. From is that the I- one where he goes back in, t- in time? Yes, yes. Okay. Back to Peter Parker's high school. Great, great, funny issue. It's about 10 years old, but uh, track it down if you can. For Michael, do you have any of the Superman-Spider-Man crossovers? Uh, I've read both of them. I actually have the second one. I have not plunked down the $25 for the first one, which is the far superior story. Right. Spider-Man 252 from my home state of Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri is where he's writing from. To the gang, Marvel explained how the mind wipe works based on his explanation to the FF. Peter knows about it and understands how it works. Did they ever explain how it got put into effect with the Mephisto deal? No, they haven't. And let's see. Let's see. Uh, To Michael Bailey, when are you going to start talking about Spider-Man on Views from the Long Box? Uh, as soon as I can get my ass in gear and have Zach on, <laughs> like I've been promising him for like yeah. a year and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the deal was to, to go back to the uh, back in the day because when he, one of our call-in shows, Mike called in, and uh, I, I said, you know what? When I get Spider.com in, you're gonna have to have me on. And uh, Spider.com's up, so we're just kind of I'm patiently waiting. All right, that was the last one, and I apologize to Specchio. We're running a little bit out of time, and that, my sir, was a long question. So, you know what, I'm going to post it up on the board, and we can have people debate that one. It's about Joseph Campbell and the power of the myth, and that would take a full hour to explain that question. So we'll, we'll put it on the board. We can discuss it there. Uh, let's oh, do rec- recommendations real quick. Oh, did somebody say something? 
Yeah, Brad, I just wanted to add something about uh, a personal story about that first Superman-Spider-Man crossover that uh, yeah. Michael uh, said he didn't get. I rem- I'm so old, I bought that damn thing off the stands at Buchanan wow. Drugstore. And my mom about crapped in her drawers because I was. I said, I, I told her I had to have $2.50 to buy that. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. So, what would your, mom, what would your mom, mom think at three ninety nine cover prices these days? Oh my God, she wouldn't even want to. But anyway, that I, it's an irrelevant story, but one I thought I had to share. Yeah. So. Uh, recommendations for the month. Let's wrap it up. We'll go with Kevin first. So you got to get out the door, Kevin. What do you recommend this month? Uh, I'm going to recommend a comic book and a TV show. All right. Uh, comic book is Mark Wade's new comic from his Boom Studios called Irredeemable. I hate uh, you. <laughs> Was that your recommendation too, Michael? Yeah, I will be oh. looking for something else. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> uh, you'll probably say different things about them than I will anyway. But it's you know Mark Wade on a superhero comic was definitely something that I wanted to see, so I picked it up, and it's been a very very good read so far. There've definitely been a lot of comparisons to Watchmen. Uh, the difference for me is that I thought Watchmen was bloated, overwritten, self-indulgent, and had coloring that looked like a baby had had diarrhea all over it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Alan Moore is going to hunt you down. Do you know that, right? Was it eight by Bill, like, son of a bitch? <laughs> no, no. The, the art was fine. I just thought the coloring sucked. But, um, yeah. Yeah, Irredeemable has actually been a very good book. It's only had two issues out, and they're doing a very nice thing when they start their second arc, which I believe will be issue five. They're offering it for only a dollar, so that's 74 cents through mailordercomics.com. So if you want to jump on, give it a shot. They're they're helping you out. Um, the TV show, I recently discovered when I was sick and needed something to watch, I got Veronica Mars on DVD. Which... <laughs> It was a show I'd always resisted because I had that stereotype impression of teen girl show, but that's the same stereotype impression I had of Buffy the Vampire Slayer before I saw it. I found out that Joss Whedon and Kevin Smith were both big fans of this show, so I figured I'd give it a shot, and it is the most addictive thing I've ever freaking seen. I watched the first season over the course of like a day and a half, and then similar things with the second and third seasons. It's uh, If you like Buffy and that kind of a thing, I would definitely recommend it. It Buffy and Angel and Firefly are pretty much my favorite shows, and this one shot up on that level immediately. It's got great ongoing mysteries for each season, but each episode has its own internal single episode mystery, and it's just a really, really good show. So anybody that's got that preconception about what it might be, I'd urge you to give it a shot. Kevin Smith and Joss Whedon even both had guest starring roles in the second season, so it's good fun. Nice. All right, uh, Michael Bailey, what's your recommendations for the month? Did you find one to replace Infamous or whatever it was? No, no I'll, I'll, I'll just add a few thoughts to it. I have a okay. comic, a book, and a TV show. The okay. comic is irredeemable, obviously. Uh, I, I lo- Ke- Kevin described it perfectly. I'd like to add, this is a book of what happens when Superman has had enough of your shit. It is about a Superman-type character who is now the world's greatest villain, and it's, oh. it's epically written, and it's got some fantastic artwork. The book... Uh, hopefully you can find it on eBay or Amazon may have it in, in the used uh, section. Uh, well, last month you guys were talking about Spider-Man novels. I would like to recommend Ultimate Spider-Man, which was a 
Oh, yeah. short story collection that was published in 1995 that has a bunch of prose stories by different authors uh, featuring Spider-Man. It has a really neat retelling of the origin by Peter David. And there's, yeah. a, there's also a cool little story where he meets an older hero who hit the skids. Uh, I, I read that. I read that. Th- I bought it right off the rack uh, back in '95. I've read it a bunch of times. It's excellent. So, uh, good luck putting Ultimate Spider-Man in Amazon and, and finding it. Um, Was it like a hundred hundred bucks now on the Amazon? No, just, just because of Brian Michael Bendis' series. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, <laughs> got it. TV show is an old one, but I recently discovered it on USA NCIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the the Naval Crime Investigative Service. It is a fun show. It's got a great cast. It's got a lot of a bunch of really fun characters. Uh, it's something that you can really sink your teeth into. I know a lot of those investigative shows are a dime a dozen, but my wife and I really we we, we will watch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. Cool. All right, uh, Stella, recommendations for this month. Okay, so Stella recommends literature. Uh, last <laughs> time you asked if, uh, you know, I read the books each time that I um, uh, recommended them that month, and I said no the most of the time uh, I had already read it. But this month I actually just finished a book. I had been going on it for a long time. It's called The Naked and the Dead by Norman Mailer. It takes place uh, during World War II. It's about a reconnaissance uh, platoon under General Cummings, and uh, it just it both follows the action and what's going on uh, in a, a particular island in Japan, and then focuses on particular characters as well. Uh, so I would recommend that. It took me a long time to read, um, but it was it was fulfilling in the end. One of the characters I wanted to die didn't, unfortunately, but. Yeah, I know. He was a real bastard. Um, <laughs> and I would also like to recommend Burn Notice, which is on USA. And it's uh, it's it actually has Bruce Campbell, even though he's not. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> even though he's not the main character. But that's awesome always to hear his uh, quirky comments. But it's about a spy who gets burned and pretty much uh, him taking on jobs uh, to help people in order to get money as well as trying to find people, the people that burned him. So it's a very good show. I would recommend that. And a little side note to that, uh, if you want to pick up season one on the cheap, it uh, went for sale for twelve ninety nine at Best Buy this week. So you can pick it up at your local Best Buy. Has season two started yet? Season three yeah. started this past week. Oh, I'll be, yeah. I'll be. I didn't know it was up that far. I haven't watched that show, but I, I like Bruce Campbell, and I, I uh, uh, have thought about. It, but I, man, I've got so much television going. But good, good recommendation. Incredibly fun show. It's like yeah. popcorn TV. Cool. Anything else, Stella? No, that's it. Okay, JR, recommendations. Star, Star Trek for the sixth time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yell Star Trek, but then again, uh, no, no. Um, you know, you're, have you ever been up late watching a movie trying to go, trying to avoid going to bed because you know your wife is already there waiting for you? And then the movie, <laughs> and, and, then, and then the movie just draws you in. Love well, I, I actually had this experience a few weeks ago. Um, I was watching Cla- Turner Classic Movies. And uh, a movie called, I, I got in about 10, 15 minutes into it, but it was called Lone Star. And uh, it was released in 96 and directed by John Sayles. And it really, really caught my attention. Uh, so much so that I, I went back and actually looked the script up online so I could <laughs> read the, the first few minutes that I missed. But it's a story, I'll try to keep it brief. It's a story set in a town on the border, on the U.S.-Mexican border. And it involves uncovering the 30-year-old murder of an evil, corrupt sheriff. 
um, the current sheriff is the son of the evil sheriff's successor. Mm-hmm. And the father, who uh, who was a legend who served in office for 30 years and has since passed on, is now a prime suspect in that old sheriff's murder. Um, the current sheriff is played by Chris Cooper, who's usually pretty good in whatever he does. And uh, as he goes through the story investigating this murder, he learns not only about his father and his father, how his father's not quite the man he thought he was, but he also learns a key element about his relationship with the always smoking hot Elizabeth Pena. Mm-hmm. And um, the nature of their, the true nature of their relationship, is a major shock uh, at the conclusion of the film. Um, cool. Is anybody still there? I just went quiet. No, no, no I'm yeah, we're still here. Okay, okay. I thought I thought Lone, I, Lone Star. I've never heard of it. Uh, I thought I was dumped there for a minute. But anyway, in the, we in the background, intently. oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> in the background, you've got the shifting of power from the white ruling class to um, the Hispanic majority. Um, you know the con- and you know one of the conflicts in the film is just what version of history do you teach the kids about the Texan uh, War for Independence? You know, do you the U.S. part side, the Mexican side, or a little bit of both? But and uh, as a final point, I'm always partial to movies that look like they are filmed in places where people actually live, right. and not just in New York, Hollywood, or Toronto. So anyway, that's that's my recommendation for cool. a month: uh, a little indie film called Lone Star. Uh, Zach, what do you recommend, sir? Well, I'll have to I'll have to look up that there Lone Star because you know me, I'm from that there, there Texas. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, um, God, you fucked your cousin with that now? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Wow! Wow! Ouch! Ouch! Um, You're fitting right is, in. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everybody, everybody takes a dig on Zach. Um, my recommendation for this month, and it's going to sound funny because it was brought up on the message board, and I actually saw it the day that it was brought up, was Highlander with, uh, yeah, uh, the original movie Highlander. I used to uh, I used to actually watch the show when the TV show was on. I never saw the movies. I, I had heard there was movies before the ones that they did with uh, with Duncan McLeod. And I, I, you know what? It was kind of corny because it's it's typical 80s movie, but you know what? It wasn't terrible. Um, the villain was really kind of just goofy and uh, bad to the point of goofiness. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I'm going to recommend is um, – I'm going to do a shameless plug here, Brad. Uh, the right. Crawl Spaces exclusive online web series, Crawl Space Avengers. If you have not, if you have not, uh, if you have not read that, uh, go ahead and read it on the message board. Pimpin' uh, ain't easy, is it? Yeah, no, it ain't. <laughs> um, it, issue three will be out probably by the time this uh, this podcast is out. So if you and, haven't read it – And issue- it has JR and myself on the cover. <laughs> Yes, yes. There's a Brad's running really fast on the variant cover. I just got that in earlier. I'll have to send it to you, Brad. No, I have uh, it. That's why I knew Jr. and I were on the cover. <laughs> uh, Jr. And, and, and Brad are characters, and Stella and Michael Bailey is even a character too. So Woo-hoo. look at you. And who else is a character, Zach? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm sorry. <laughs> One of my favorite characters to write actually is Kevin. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's always fun. Um, also, I'm going to recommend Clone Saga Chronicles. Uh, it, it, I did fix it, even though nobody else read it. Um, <laughs> nobody else could read it. Uh, I, I went up there and fi- I actually was fixing it during this podcast again. So I uh, check that out. If you're still having technical issues, please PM me so I can fix it. Okay. Uh, my recommendations, two food products, a DVD box set, and two yeah. television shows. Why am what I the hell, only? Chris? Why am I the only one that recommends food? I don't understand. No, nobody. I want to endorse the ribeye steak from blah blah blah. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Bacon I, cheese fries from Outback are awesome. 
Look, Haley's <laughs> recommending food with me. I love it. Uh, last month, I recommended Spider-Man gummy bears. Oh, so God. this month, I'm recommending them again because they're, they've repackaged them. <laughs> used to, they used to be in a long horizontal box. Now they're in an upright box, and they've recolored the figures. The Sandman is no longer green. He's yellow, and he looks like he's standing on those little things that you used to get army men with. You know the little surfboard things at the bottom? Oh, jeez, yeah. So anyway, Spider-Man gummy bears with the new variant repackaged gummies. So get that. Also, are you guys familiar with Brahms, the ice cream place? Have you guys had that? Yes, sir. Brahms, pick up the new birthday cake ice cream. It's delicious. It's delicious. Anybody had birthday cake ice cream before? I don't know about you, but they've had it at my Brahms for like three years. Well, it just got to Missouri. (laughs) Apparently. I've had cake batter ice cream. Yeah, well, it, I, I imagine it's kind of it's kind of similar. It's kind of similar, but uh, it, it's blue. Is yours blue? Yeah. No, they must have no. reformulated it. <laughs> That's an awkward question, <laughs> Brad. <laughs> Are you? Oh well, God! I, welcome I to the WebMD podcast. Is yours blue? <laughs> so you might be uh, Mr. What's his face? Uh, I don't. You know, know. What I'm talking. About. I don't. No, Mr. Bob. Dr. Midnight? No. Oh, from Watchmen. Dr. Midnight. Yes, thank you. My Uh, other recommendation is a show that uh, Kevin recommended a while back, and so did JR, I think. And and on those two recommendations, I uh, picked up House Season 1. Halfway through it, love House. He's a great bastard, isn't he? (laughs) I I just love it. I I, I dig the character. He's really cool. Uh, Hugh Laurie, awesome actor. Uh, also, two TV show recommendations of that are coming up. Uh, True Blood on HBO starts June 14th, so feel free to uh, set your DVRs, etc. Kevin, you would love this show. Have you picked up the DVDs yet? Uh, with, of True Blood? No, I wasn't really interested. I don't uh, like Anna Paquin, honestly. Dude, you'd love she it. Has the, she has the worst southern accent ever. Oh, come on. Oh, dude. Yeah, I heard I, enough I of that in X-Men 1. I, I tell you right now, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I was, we were, I was watching it, and I'm like, there's a lot of boobs in this in this show. Oh, yeah, it's not for the young <laughs> podcast listeners. No, there is a... Granted, a, if you got through Michael Bailey's comment to Zach earlier. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a, it's very much R-rated. There's a lot of boobs. It's like Buffy with boobs. So, uh, yeah, but it's a good show if you like vampires and you like blood and you like boobs. So I recommend <laughs> boobs this month. Uh, the last recommendation is on June 27th, or June 22nd, which is a Monday. Set your DVRs for uh, Disney XD Season 2 of Spectacular Spider-Man premieres, which, That's in right. my opinion, is one of the best Spider-Man animated series of all time. Uh, it, it beats the 90s series, in my opinion, already. I yeah, mean, I agree. Just, it's just wonderful television, and, and I, I like it because it's in high def now. My, I didn't have a local uh, WB in high def, but this is going to be in high def. So you can see Spider-Man and all of his freckles, or his mole, his mole on his cheek. Mole. Moly. Moly, moly, moly. Moly, moly, All right, any final comments before we hit stop? Negative. I've got to pee. Okay. <laughs> well, on, i got to pee. <laughs> oh, 
And we'll wrap up our June show right about there. Now, coming up in July, we have Spider-Man writers Howard Mackey and Tom DeFalco on to talk about their new miniseries, Spider-Man, The Clone Saga. Now, it should be a fun show. I've talked to Tom many times. He's always great. And it'll be nice to have Howard on for the first time. I'm looking forward to it. And I'll be taking questions from the message board for these two gents. It will be posted in the Crawl Space 101 section. But before we go, I want to thank uh, MailOrderComics.com for sponsoring us and helping us pay the bill. They have amazing discounts that really lower your monthly comic spending bill. For example, this month, the Essential Marvel Team-Up Volume 3 is on sale. The cover price is 20 bucks. Mail order has it for $11.99, which is about 40% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Gang, have a great rest of the month, and we'll be back in a few weeks with our July show. And for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com, I'm Brad Douglas.